Merry Christmas week, just a couple days away from Christmas now as we um, move into what is the best week of the year, in my opinion. The anticipation, the excitement for what is to come on Christmas morning is just too much to handle, uh, even um, as I've aged quite a bit and I just don't get the presents I used to. And so I hope you're looking forward to uh, having a great Christmas. Hopefully family's coming in town, you have all those things situated, and you're going to have some great time around the tree uh, this week. And so we're finishing our current season, season, series titled This Season. And we've talked about the greatest offer on December 5th. And then December 12th, last weekend, we talked about the perfect gift. And today we're going to talk about the greatest reason, the greatest reason, the reason for the season. It's why we titled this, this topic of the series, This Season. It's what Jesus brings. And spoiler alert, it's hope. It's hope. This week, Christmas Day brings hope. And so today we get to discuss hope, what happens if we don't have it and how we move forward in it. And so we're going to be in uh, Psalms 27 today. If you want to go and turn there, this is the Holman. And in Psalms 27, 13 and 14, Davis reminds us of the hope, uh, reminds us of the hope we are to have, the hope we are to have. And he says in verse 13, I am certain I am certain, underline certain there, that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and courageous. And he says it again, wait for the Lord. So then certain hope takes patience. Certain hope is what allows us to wait, right? It takes certain hope to be strong. It takes certain hope to be courageous. It takes certain hope to believe. And it takes believing in that hope, believing in, in Jesus, being the hope of the world, right? Certain hope takes patience. Jesus brings us certain hope. And certain hope is the only way we live. This is the only hope that we live by. And so that's easier said than done. This is certain hope. It's hope that you believe. And by the end of today's message, what my hope is for you is that you believe that Jesus can impact your life, that the hope that he brings can impact your life. And so as we get started, I want to identify where your hope is right now. And if you don't know how to identify your hope or, or you haven't identified it yet or you don't know, there's no worries. What I want you to do is just use what you have to identify where your hope is. And for fun, let's rate it. Uh, let's rate our current hope on a scale of one to five. One being and five being ah. Right? I love the scale of one to five. And I just want you to write that number down wherever you're taking notes. Write that down. Many of you might be asking, my hope in what? My hope in the school system, right? The education system, hope in my education, like where I'm, am I growing, am I learning? The hope in my life, in, in, in our current reality, in politics, the hope for my career, hope in my marriage. What do you mean? Hope in, in, in what God's put me here to do, hope in my purpose, hope in the next vaccine. What, what, is, what, what do you mean, my hope? Where's my hope? Hope in what? And I want you to decide that today because I believe if you do, if you do, God will work on your behalf. Because the thing that you are questioning right now is, is where you're most concerned. It's tied to your heart. God cares about the desires of your heart and he wants to meet those needs. And so then identify where your hope is because God wants to work into it because it's affecting your heart. Now, it can be general, it can be specific, but it needs to be personal. It needs to be personal. And so now that you've identified it, we've, you kind of have it, write it down. Write it down. The Bible says write it down. Make it plain. We'll talk more about that December 26th. Okay, December 26th. And so then let's open our Bibles to the book of Job chapter 8. Now, depending on how you ranked yourself on 1 to 5 and where you said your hope was, 
you know when we go to Job, you're like, oh man, it's, it, it, my hope not, might not be that good, but it's, it's not that bad. It's not Job bad, right? And so in Job 8, one of Job's friends gives us a speech, and, and I think that he's speaking to everything that's going on in the world right now, everything that's wrong in the world. I think Bill, that is speaking directly to what's going on right now today. In verse uh, chapter 8, verses 11 through 13, this is a living Bible. It says, those who forget God have no hope. Those who forget God have no hope. And I believe that we as a people, generally speaking, have lost hope. Those who forget God have no hope. Ugh. Those who forget God have no hope. So then, how do we find hope? This is our biggest point today. This is our biggest point today. Hope is not something that we go find. It's something that was brought to us. And that means the message gets a lot better from here, right? And the truth is that we see this playing out in every part of our society today. The further we get away from God, the less hope that we have. The further we get away from God, the less hope we have. The good news is the opposite is also true. The closer you get to God, the more hope you have. The closer you get to God, the more hope you have. Now, there's not a better time in history than right now to get close to God. Amen. Everybody, everybody in the congregation said, amen, right? This is why we're talking the season of Christmas and what Christmas brings. To those who believe, to those who believe in Jesus, if we go back to the Polar Express, we still hear the bell. You can still hear the bell. Christmas brings hope. Christmas brings hope. And my hope for you is that you would get closer to God so that you can have more hope. So you can have more hope in your life. Okay? Now, what you see in the world is the most hopeful people are the ones that are closest to God. And the most hopeless people are the ones who are farthest from God. And that's just the truth. It's not being ugly. That's just where we are. This is why living in a real relationship with God means everything. It's everything. It brings more hope in your life. The closer you get to God, the more hope you have. And the reality is you probably notice a lot of people putting their hope in different things, right? People, places, positions. I got on a roll with P words here, by the way. People, places, positions, profit, president, platforms, politics. We just put our hope in all these other different things. You've seen this, okay? And in the Bible, what we see in Luke 20, verses 19 to 20, it says this. Then the scribes and chief priests looked away, looked for a way to get their hands on him at the very hour because they knew he had told this parable against them. But they feared the people. They watched closely and sent spies who uh, pretended to be righteous. You know anybody like that? So they could catch him in what he said to hand him over to the governor's rule and authority. When, you're put, when you put your hope in other things, it takes your hope from God. And what you see right here is the scribes, and the chief priest, they took their hope away from God and they had it in other things. And they were offended. So they were, they were out. They were looking to get him. Now, why did they desire to get their hands on him? Why did they desire to get their hands on him? Why did they? And it wasn't just about power and authority. This is, but they were using that to do it, right? Why? They had no hope. They had no hope. They had zero faith. Their belief was nothing. Now, remember the Bible says in Job 8, 11 through 13, we're really driving this from the ground today. Those who forget God have no hope. 
Today is a day to remember hope. This week is a week to remember hope. And hopefully you've got to set in the last couple messages. And man, your Christmas season has been better this year than ever. And so I want you to think about this for a minute. When you think of not hoping in God, when you think of putting your hope somewhere else, when you think of God not being first, this is what happens. These are results of our lack of hope, faith, trust in God. Wealth is idolized. Truth is minimized. Our lives are trivialized. We don't know. Who knows, right? Abortion is legalized. TV is vulgarized. There was a time where you couldn't say a cuss word on TV. Everything is sexualized. That's all marketing is anymore. Divorce is rationalized. You tell yourself rational lies because you want out. Sports are scandalized. Education is secularized. We're going to teach all these new curriculums, all this new content. Free markets are monopolized. Politics are polarized. Morals and ethics are liberalized. Courts are paralyzed. The judicial system is a mess right now, by the way. Manners are uncivilized. Christians are demonized. And our conscience has been desensitized. Why? All of this. Flooding. And so we've just shifted a little bit more and a little bit more. And our conscience has been desensitized, which means God is marginalized. God is marginalized. And it's no wonder, it's no wonder that people lose hope when you hear what happens when their hope, when we put our hope in other things, right? Those who forget hope, those who forget God have no hope. Those who forget God have no hope. So then let's define hope. Let's, let's get this thing back on the up, right? That's our goal for today. What does Jesus bring that no one else can? This is the difference. This is what God does for you, does for me, does for us. This is who Jesus came for. This is why he came, right? This is the hope of the world. And before we jump into to why or what he and only he can bring and no one else can bring, so we can't shift our focus to anything else but Jesus, especially this time of year. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you know this. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Week one, we, we learned about the greatest offer. We talked in depth about God's love for you. If you missed that, go back and get it. We talked about um, the perfect gift in Jesus last, last week. Now, we know faith, right? Faith, last week, our faith brings us righteousness. It makes us holy. We know love. Week one, God's great love for us was displayed in John three sixteen. But we assume hope. We assume hope. Right? And we all know what assumed, we all know what assumed does. And so then here's what hope in the dictionary is defined as an expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It's an expectation. Your expectations are your greatest frustrations. So you better make sure that that hope is certain. Otherwise, it's just a wish. We'll talk about that more in here in just a second. Okay? I like that, but, but we don't go to the dictionary for truth, right? We go to the Bible for truth. And so then, Although that's a good definition, the reality is a lot of people think that they know what hope is, but they're really just wishing. It's really just a wish. And hope is theological, it's not psychological, right? It's deeper. Hope is rooted in your heart, not your head. It's theological. And so then, hope is rooted in truth, it's not a wish. 
So then you know right now that your hope is rooted in truth, right? If it's, if it's not, then it's just a wish. Then it's just a wish. And we have to accept that this morning. And what you need to know is we wish on wants, but we hope in needs. We wish on what we want, but we hope in our needs and what we need. And so it would be easier to define what hope is not than to define what it is. So let's look. Hope is not optimism. I'll park on this for just a minute. There are, there are two different things here. Hope is not optimism. Hope is not a wish. Wish and optimism kind of work uh, hand in hand, and they're not the same thing. Hope is theological, right? It's a belief in your heart. Optimism is psychological. It's a thought in your head. It's a thought in your head. Optimism is great. I love optimism. I love it. I love being optimistic, but optimism is not hope. It's not hope. And so then if you think about this, um, you know, you have the Saturday Night Live skits and all those things where people will stand in front of the mirror and they talk to themselves. and They tell themselves that I'm a good person and things are going to happen for me today. And man, that's awesome to do that. I have self-talk that I say every morning, but that self-talk is rooted in this, not my feelings or something that's psychological in my head, right? And the reality of, of most of our self-talk is when we're trying to talk ourselves into something, it's just hype. We're just trying to get a hype man. Where's my hype man at? I need somebody to give me some hype. And without Jesus, all that hype has zero hope. You need some theology, or you need some theology in your self-talk. You need some theology in your self-talk. You need some hope in your hype. And so then optimism is really just talking yourself into it, right? This is, uh, you see this more than anything in sports. I'll use football for an example. Um, I take Kaz. You've ever been to the pregame where, where the team's just yelling around, you know, and just going crazy and just trying to intimidate the other team, making a bunch of noise, and it's all just meaningless because, because where do you show that you're going to win the ball game during the game? You play the game. All the pregame and all the postgame is all for show, right? And so I took Kaz as a six-year-old. I take him into a quarterfinal game, a, a team that I used to coach, and and we're all, we got all of our stuff on. We're repping, we're repping it. And in pregame, there's the, the team I used to coach is making a bunch of noise. Okay, and the team that, um, that we're playing, rivalry game, by the way, they're silent. They're business. It's business. Kaz is six years old. We walk up the ramp, okay? We get up there at the top, and he looks. He's six. He just, he doesn't have a clue. He goes, Dad, that team over there is going to win. Now I'm like, you see, well, come on, man. Nah. He's like, no, they're going to win. It was 42 to nothing at halftime. The other team was up. The other team was up. Even a six-year-old can point out, <laughs> can point out the rah-rah, okay? And really what optimism is, is just telling yourself that things are going to be great, even when you know they're not, right? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> We're going to win. We're really going to win today. And you look and you see that there's a definite mismatch here, but who cares about the mismatch? We're going to be optimistic anyways, and optimistic and hope are two different things. And so what you need to know is optimism is not always in touch with reality. It's not always in touch with reality. A lot of times, optimism is just trying to convince yourself of something that you know is not true. You know it's not true. This is the, the person walking up to you and saying, hey, man, how are you? you guys, hey, you guys doing good? You, you, you know, are you okay? How's your life? And you go, great. That's great. You sure? Like, 
You seem, you seem like, like you might be a little off. Are you sure? Uh-huh. We're awesome. We're great. Right? Sometimes optimism is not always in touch with reality. And so when you're being optimistic, you have this, this you know, um, thought or this phrase on repeat in your head, right? And you say, I hope, I hope, I hope, and that's where it lives. It lives in your head. And psychology in your head lacks belief. It lacks belief. It's only a want that we like to clot up a little bit. I can sit here and look at this cup of coffee all day long and wish that it was sweet tea. And I can be optimistic that it's sweet tea. But the reality is, is wishing, wishing it to be sweet tea isn't going to make a difference, right? Isn't going to make a difference. We need, the di- we need to know the difference between what wish and hope is, what optimism and what hope are, because they're not the same. And what I'm saying to you is optimism alone will not change the world. Optimism alone won't change your circumstance. Optimism won't change your marriage. Optimism won't change your job. Optimism will not change anything. Optimism will not change the world or your world. Here's some clarity for optimism. What you need to know is optimism typically only works when things are in your control. Sit on that for a second. I can be optimistic about things that I want to do for the rest of my life. And just because I'm optimistic about the things I want to do does not mean I'm going to do them. Right? You can be optimistic about what you want your husband or your wife to do. But just because you're optimistic about what you want them to take initiative to do, how does that work out? (laughs) How does that work out? Right? You can be optimistic about what you want your kids to do. Right? Dishes, take some initiative, you know, get the backyard in order, whatever. You can be optimistic about that. How does that work out? How does that work out for you? Your optimism does not change anything that anyone does because optimism only works on stuff that you can control. It's the Christianese approach. Christianese is like those Christian words that we all use that only Christians know what they mean. They kind of seem to be religious or a little over the top. Optimism is the Christianese approach to things that you want to give God credit for, but you want the control of. Okay? I'm hitting home here for some people. How do you know it's going to be good? Right? How do you know it's going to work out? How do you know this is going to go the way that you say it's going to go? How do you know? You have control. You can be resolute and absolute when you have control. Here's what optimism says. Okay? Outside of control. It's not as bad. It's not as bad as I think. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. I know you saw that, and I know it's going to cost that. I know it's going to be that. I know it's going to take that. It's not as bad as you think. Okay? It's not as bad as you think. Could be worse. That's optimism. Here's what hope is. Hope says, yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's pretty bad. Matter of fact, it's, uh, it's as bad as it's ever been. It's as bad as it's ever been. And I'm not sure when we're going to get it figured out, but I believe we will. That's hope. That's hope. Big difference. Huge difference. And what stinks about optimism is it denies that reality. It's not that bad, right? But the truth is when it's bad, it's bad. And we can talk about it being bad. It's all good, right? Like that? It's optimism. You just get the news, okay? You've heard this about a family member. You've got a diagnosis. You just got a report. And what do you say? Eh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. 
That's not hope. That's optimism. More importantly, that brings false hope. It's not that bad. What's false hope? False hope keeps you empty, exhausted, worried, stressed, and in wonder, grasping for control. But because you know you should hope, okay, you muster up some good false hope that's disconnected from the truth, okay, which leads you to say, it ain't that bad. It ain't that bad. And you keep wanting it not to be that bad. You keep wishing it not to be that bad, but you're not connected to truth or hope. And the Bible tells us that there are three types of hope. Wishful hope and expected hope, which you find in Proverbs, and certain hope, which we talked about earlier. We talked about uh, certain hope in the beginning. David in Psalms 27 says, certain, I am certain, I am certain. And so then, if you're going to take notes, we're going to jump into kind of the heart of this thing today. And um, I'm excited for you to get what God wants to share with you. Wishful hope. Wishful hope is what most people mean when they think or they use the word hope. You're late coming home from work again, okay? And dinner's been on the table for a while. And you say, man, I sure hope my wife isn't upset. I sure hope she's not upset. Example, you're late for work uh, tomorrow, Monday, and a couple of you, yeah. And, and depending on when you go to work. And you are running late and there's a red light and traffic and you say, man, I sure hope that 696 ain't backed up today. I sure hope that 94 is not. I sure hope I hit that green light, right? Both are just wishful. They're just wishful. And sad but true, nothing that you wish for will ever change anything in reality, right? You can get lucky. You can get lucky, right? And you get lucky when your hope is, when your hope is in luck and not in Jesus, it's not going to work out either way, okay? Sometimes you get lucky and things line up and you get the green light, and it's like, yes. And you pull in the drive 30 minutes late, and your wife says, oh, it's okay, I just got on the table, I was running late too. Sometimes you get lucky, okay? But it's still rooted in a wish. Wishful hope is worthless. It's false hope. It's false hope. It's very similar to optimism. It's like the lotto ticket faith, right? Lotto ticket faith is only wishful. It's only wishful hope. We used to play a long, long time ago. It doesn't work, okay? It doesn't work. Wishful hope is not the kind of hope that you can build a life on, and Jesus wants you to know that today. Wishful hope is not the, is not the hope you can build a life on. You're going to build a life on the truth, on certain hope. And so the second kind of hope is expectant hope. It's a little stronger, okay? There is some basis in reality in expectant hope. It's better than simply wishing. To have expectant hope is better than wishing. And so expectant hope is going out, planting some seeds, Okay, and come begin and saying, man, I sure hope those plants sprout. Sure hope those plants sprout. That's expectant hope. That's expectant hope. Expectant hope comes with a reason, not a wish. That's the difference. Expectant hope comes with a reason, not a wish. The reason you have an expectation for plants to sprout is because you planted them. You planted them. You did something and you expect a result. It's not wishful thinking, which is, man, I sure hope I have some plants out there soon but you planted no seed, right? Wishful is worthless. So then, when you go to the doctor, we're gonna go back to expectant hope, okay? It's a great example. You go to the doctor, and you have a really good reason that you're going to the doctor. One, you don't wanna go, but you're going anyways. And sometimes, you have a great need when you go to the doctor. And always an expectation when you go to the doctor. And sadly, a lot of times you walk in the doctor, what happens? They're behind, so you wait. And they move you to another room, and you wait. 
And you get to the point where you see, you know, they send the person by to, to make sure you stay calm and don't lose your mind. And you say, how, how much, how much longer? You know, my point was at two and it's three fifteen, and, and, uh, I actually have a life outside of here. And so how much longer? And you go into the doctor because you need something and you expect to get that need met. And, and what happens? You go in and the doctor finally makes it, makes, you know, their way in there and they say, what? Hey, you're fine. You're fine. There's nothing wrong. Uh, this is normal. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to call you in some Benadryl. Okay. Or some, you know, if you know the story, some Zyrtec and you're going to be just fine. Okay. And even though you were expectant, okay, what you went for or what you went to do, went to get solved, doesn't happen. doesn't get addressed. But you called and you set the appointment and you drove and you set and you waited and you waited and you expected. And even though you were expecting, it wasn't a sure thing. There was no guarantee. And you feel like once again, I've wasted my time. I've wasted my time. I don't know why I come. And with a few other thoughts, you just leave it at that. I just want to let you know I've been there too. I think we can all relate to that story. And this is the Bible. This is why the Bible talks about the third type of hope, certain hope. This is hope you can build your life on. This is the hope that's going to anchor your soul. This is certain hope. This is what the Bible talks about when it talks about being a person of hope. Not wishing, not expecting, but being certain that you will have what you hope for. Being certain that you will have what you hope for. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance or certainty of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. That's faith. Faith and hope go together. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. Faith and hope go together. They're great together. We need them together. They must be together. We can't have one without the other. You cannot have faith without hope. And most people blaze right past that part. Okay? Faith and love, I'm good. But faith, what if we flip it and we go, hope? What about hope? Well, it's faith. So faith, and these are two different things, right? Most people blaze right past hope because they believe, well, I have faith. Keep the, just keep the faith. Keep the faith. I'm going to leave it right there, okay? <laughs> You've heard the phrase. You must have hope in order to have faith. You have to have hope first before you can have faith, right? Because there's nothing to hope for, there's nothing to believe in or believe for. Simply put, if you don't have the hope of heaven, you don't need to believe in heaven. If you don't have the hope of heaven, you don't need to believe in heaven because there's no hope. There's no hope. Faith and hope go together. You can't have faith without hope. Certain hope... It's Christian hope. It's the believer, right? You live in this, you build your life on it. Let's look at Hebrews 6, 19 really quickly. We're going to see it here. This certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself, the sacred curtains of heaven, of heaven. Think about your life right now. When certainty is present in your life, you have zero doubt. Certainty, not control. When certainty is present, you have no doubt. When have you ever been certain of something that wasn't? Never. Never. And if you think you were and you didn't, it was only wishful. Maybe expectant, but it wasn't certain. With certain hope, there is no doubt. There's no hesitation. There's no reservation. It's certain. There are no what ifs. 
in certain hope. Now, I don't say, what if I get to heaven? Man, I sure, sure hope I get to heaven. What's the, I sure wish I get to heaven, right? That doesn't enter my mind because the entrance to heaven is rooted in certain hope. Certain hope is a guarantee. Certain hope is a guarantee from God. It's like Callahan Auto. Anybody can just put the guarantee on the box, right? That is marketing. The certain hope that you get from God is a guarantee. God never breaks his word. With every promise, there's a premise, right? God's promises to you are always true. They're always rooted right here. The Bible says this is the hope God wants you to build your life on. A hope you believe has three characteristics. A certain hope you believe have three characteristics. They're all mentioned in Hebrews 6.19. Certain hope, if you're taking notes, is strong. What do you mean strong? Steady, stable, durable, unchanging. Certain hope is strong, steady, stable, durable, unchanging. Certain hope is trustworthy. It's trustworthy. What do you mean? Dependable, reliable. You can bet your life on it. That's what certain hope is. You see this in Hebrews 6, 19. And number three, certain hope is an anchor. It's an anchor. It keeps you connected to God. Okay. Now, why do we need hope? Why do we need hope? It's been said that you can go for weeks without food. Okay. Days without water. You can go minutes, minutes without air if you're good. Not me. Okay. But some can. But you cannot go five seconds without hope. You must have hope. You need hope to live. When you lose all hope, you lose your life. You die without hope. We all hope. We all hope. Our hope needs to be rooted in Jesus, not something else. Hope is the anchor for your soul. The anchor does two things. The anchor does two things. And we're wrapping this thing up. The anchor does two things. The anchor keeps the ship from drifting. It keeps you from drifting. Without hope, you drift. Without hope, you drift. You drift from God. You drift from the people you love. You drift from your goals. And it's easy to drift away from your dream if you, not, if you are not anchored. You constantly drift. This is why ships drop anchor. Two, the hope that is the anchor for your soul adds stability in the storm. You need stability. You need stability. This is where hope comes in, right? This is where hope comes in. Remember, hope says it's bad, maybe the worst ever, but I still believe. That's what hope says. Stability. Without hope, you have no stability. You are like a, like a ship tossed out in the ocean. A vapor in the wind is what uh, a famous band says. So stability in your anchor depends a lot on the size and the weight of the anchor and the length of the rope or the chain that's connected to. Reality is the bigger your ship, the bigger your anchor. The greater your faith, the bigger your anchor, the more hope you have. The bigger the anchor, the better you are in the storm. Even the smallest boats get massive anchors, right? They get anchors bigger than they need. Why? Because they want stability from the wind and the current. They want to be able to, be, to stay stable. Here's Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. God made it possible for us to take hold of the hope set before us so that we can be encouraged because this certain hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. This hope 
Jesus is a strong and trustworthy anchor for your soul. This hope is what Christmas is all about. This is the hope that Christmas is all about. The anchor for your soul is not money. It's not fame. It's not any of those P words, position, profit. It's none of those things. It's not title. It's not notoriety. It's nothing physical that you have. It's nothing psychological. The stronger your hope, the stronger your anchor to God. Final question. Where do you get this anchor for your soul? Where do you get this anchor for your soul? Because reality is when people are in a storm, they typically look everywhere else except God. They don't look to hope because many of us have lost it or we forgot it. We forgot it. When people are deep, deep in trouble, when they're in deep pain, when they're in deep despair, when they're in deep discouragement, they often look to the bottom of a bottle, whether that be pills or drinks. They look to entertainment. They look for somebody. They look for a vacation. They look for anything else but hope. And they say, if I could just get her, get him, get that. If I could just take a drink, if I could just take two of those, right? If I could just get a raise, if I could just have some time off, if I could just sell my boat, (laughs) if I could just sell my RV, okay? If I could just, and God's sitting there the whole time going, it's me. It's me. I have the answer. I am the answer. The truth is they're looking outside of themselves for something to anchor them. And God says, I'm all the hope you need. There's a son. His name's Jesus. He's my only one. I sent him to you. I gave him as a gift. He sacrificed, greatest sacrifice in human history for you. His blood covers you. And when you're wiped, when you're covered, when you, re- when you receive this grace gift, when you received Jesus, you're covered in his blood. And I see you. When I see him when I see you, and I see you in him. That's how I see you. And so then, what's the difference between wishful hope, expectant hope, and certain hope? It's belief. It's believing in your heart. Hebrews 6, 19, this certain hope of being saved, covered by the blood of Jesus, is a strong and trustworthy anchor. You can trust it. It's strong. For your soul, connecting us with God, we've been reestablished. John 3.16 says it. This confirms it. We've been reconnected, redeemed, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven. We have a place in eternity. Our future is bright, as bright as it's ever been. How do you get this kind of hope? Certain hope is based on God's word, not your wishes. I wish, I want, or I hope. Hope you believe is not based on what you sense. It's based on what God said. Hope you believe is not based on your emotion. It's based on what God has spoken. And certain hope is not based on your imagination. It's based on God's obligation. It's what he said. It's his promise. You can find certain hope in God's word, not in anybody else's wishes, not in your worries. In this book, you have over 7,000 promises, 7,000 promises from God. When we put our hope in these promises, 
it gives us certainty in our hope we see in Hebrews 6.19. And finally, we put our hope in our emotions, in our talent, our friends, our intelligence, our circumstances. When we put our hope in anything else that's not truth, it's only wishful. And sometimes it's expectant, but they both leave us extremely, extremely frustrated. This is the hope we have. This is the reason for the season. It's Jesus. Jesus makes it possible, and that's why the season is so special. The anchor for your soul is hope. You find in Jesus. You celebrate it Christmas morning. In just a few days, you celebrate it. I want to close with uh, the Passion Translation of Psalms 27, 13, 14. We'll pray. Yes, I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Here's what I've learned though through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Certain patience takes hope. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting and he will never, never ever disappoint you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to remember Jesus, to remember what this season is about, Lord, to help us to gain clarity about the hope that Christmas Day brings. When you sent your Son, the light of the world, you brought lightness into the dark. He stepped in. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for the hope that we have. Help us to identify today. Help us to move forward today with certain hope. Help us to eliminate wishes. Lord, help us to eliminate those expectations of silly things that are not rooted in your word and in your truth, Lord. This day coming, Christmas, just a few days, is the greatest day of the gospel. It's the day the gospel is fulfilled because the son showed up. Thank you for him. Thank you for the gift of your son. Help us to remember Christmas morning when we open the gifts and our eyes light up and we get all excited this represents Jesus. It's not about a new uh, video system, a gaming system. It's not about a toy or anything else. It's not about a diamond ring or a fancy necklace or, or an awesome car in the driveway. Father God, it's about the light of the world that you sent to us. It's about your son, Jesus, and the hope that he brings. Thank you, Lord, for bringing hope to me, to us, to everybody who can hear my voice. And I ask you, Lord, to help us to reflect on and think about and celebrate that hope this week and help us to live in it moving forward. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll see you December 26th as we reflect on 2021. We're going to talk about how to live a true 2022. Merry Christmas. See you then.